delighted to welcome Jeremy to the show today. He's the founder of Marketplace Risk, which has the world's largest Marketplace Risk conference and uh, have quite a few interesting things to say today. Welcome, Jeremy. Hi, thanks for having me. Life's looking good now, but we're going to go back to a moment in time before. When are we going back to? Uh, say January 2015, uh, sitting in uh, my business school class at Kellogg. I mean, the amount of time that I spent leading up to deciding to get my MBA, you know, spending the amount of money and the time and all of the energy for it, right? Like there was a, there was a considerable period leading up to that um, of kind of this, like I'll call it a professional identity crisis. Like, Mm. where do I want to be, you know? And did you find while doing this MBA, it gave you that time to, to really think about what next? I think the feeling is that you're going to come out and be a CEO, right? And the reality is the way I I experienced it, and I think a lot of others, you really just build on um, things you already know, right? And and the industries you're already in, it doesn't necessarily make you into a CEO, but it it kind of helps you uh, move in a in a specific direction. So you're so mid MBA, you've had this time to think. You're being sort of influenced by other people. You're enjoying it. What what it what's what's the epiphany that you have in this class that that's really driven subsequent behavior? One is um, for for me. What I kept hearing was from from many professors, uh, and particularly in this class, was you know how are you creating value, um, solving a problem? Right. Um, it was <clears throat> a lot more philosophical than it was practical uh, mm. than it was professional and you know the accounting classes the finance classes I was you know I'm the biggest math loser on the face of the earth so they were like interesting to gauge where how where you're not at <laughs> but they were uh, they, they weren't helpful in this in in this exploration I guess uh, you'd call it it was really when we started talking about creating value and solving a problem, filling a need, right? And, and how businesses, different businesses are successful. And uh, that's where I started applying it to my own life and my own experiences um, to start to figure out that, you know, what I had been doing, not exactly in that form, but was, you know, there's a neat, huge need here. And Try to figure out where you can meet the need, uniquely meet the need, where it's not being met and what that might look like. Mm. So actually stepping away from kind of like, how do I make as much money as possible? Or how do I structure this in a clever way to do this? Or practically, how do I do it? It's kind of like start with, how can I add value to the world? Yeah, yeah. So so we have the, the largest marketplace uh, conferences, uh, events in the world. Uh, the first four that we hosted were free. We didn't charge anybody. And it, it didn't actually really start out to be a business, right? So uh, just to, along the lines of what you just said, like there was never uh, this, this notion that um, this is going to lead to pots of gold. It was more that I enjoyed doing this uh, I, I, I was experienced. I wouldn't call myself an expert, certainly not at that time, but I had a pretty significant experience um, and there was value in sharing that. There was value in bringing, bringing these people together. The iterations of what we've built um, 
you know, include you know, podcasts and, and virtual content and, and a lot of stuff. But it really started as uh, one conference. We never charged anybody to attend it. We just encouraged people to come and, and learn, but also share. Um, and so it was mm-hmm. that that kind of what we ended up creating was like a market. But that platform, that medium that that we created um, is what eventually really took off. And maybe just for listening, maybe just just clarifying, we talk about marketplace risk. What market, what sort of marketplaces are we originally talking about, and what sort of risk, so we can see the impact on the world? So when we're talking kind of marketplaces, we're talking digital marketplaces, and when we're talking about the risk, my focus primarily was in services marketplaces, so senior care, child care, you know, pet care. Anything uh, tangentially related to that, because the risk there is a lot higher, right? You're dealing with people um, um, in, in, in the case of childcare and senior care. You're dealing with vulnerable populations. They're being left with strangers, etc. Um, the goods marketplaces, um, there's risk as well, but it's not human risk. So uh, starting with those, you've got obviously the risk of fraud and someone... Uh, buy something it doesn't get shipped someone uh, ships something that's wrong something's broken etc you can quantify the value of those things pretty easily and you know get insurance for it but there's there's those risks when you're dealing with services and people um, and even you know expensive properties the risks get uh, you know infinitely bigger uh, in large part because you're dealing with everything from you know what could be physical harm abuse kind of all on all the way up to you know, uh, death right and then of course layer on top of those what I'll call like the practical risks you've now got regulatory risks and and you know the the industry because it's growing there's a lot more regulation so the, there's kind of risks all around um, and the unique part of you know, a, a mobile or a web app connecting people, right? Is you just have that that risk of the the anonymous, the unknown person. Mm. And in a way, like if it's something that's breakable and replaceable, you can insure it. Human being, the damage is already done, so it needs to be prevented right. in the first place. Right, right, right. And 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 so the way that we always looked at risk was. There's a risk to the company, right? There's a reputation risk, legal risk, but then there's always a risk to your community, right? So, so um, you know, Airbnb, for example, if they had a lot of fraud on their platform starting out or, you know, bad things happening to people, they would have just never grown. Uh, Uber, the same thing. There are a lot of publicized uh, things that have happened on those platforms, but uh, they they are minuscule relative to the amount of transactions that they've um, that that have happened on their platforms. So you know, there's the risk to the community as well that I think is um, in in some ways um, uh, bigger than to the company because you know the company's protected with insurance, et cetera, and the reputation is is I think more important when when it comes to something bad happening to to your users. You know, I was a lawyer who had been practicing in this area since the eBay and Craigslist days. There weren't many of us. Um, I was, uh, so I, I had, you know, let's call it about 10 years of experience doing this kind of since the beginning. Um, I was becoming a free agent in the sense that I didn't want to do what I was doing anymore. I wasn't going to be working in a law firm. And so I could bring all of this knowledge, uh, information to 
what are demographically very young uh, leaders, um, the CEOs, the, the founders of these companies skew very young. Um, and as a result, they have less business experience, right? And they have these huge kind of risks at their doorstep. And so who was going to be the, the person that connects all of these things, right? And, and gets them to understand not only the risks, but the, the ways to mitigate those risks, which are actually not super complicated. You just have to spend some time on them and, and prioritize them. And so ultimately, I think that that's the way I saw myself was, was bringing all of this information to these people. So it's really interesting. So you, you at this stage... You progressed as a lawyer. You you're going to an MBA. You you've gone there with maybe the expectation of transitioning to be a VC or a CEO. Everyone around you is aiming to be a CEO or a founder or sort of build something big. And in this class, this kind of this, this you have this sort of epiphany of it's it's all about value, and actually that's what you want to focus on. Now, today you've built a very successful company. But at the time, was there any reservation about focusing on adding value rather than the financial side? Because I was working, I had a full-time job, I wasn't taking really risks. I was. This was something I was doing on my spare time, on the company time as well with their support. But um, I, I really had the luxury of, of just following these things and, and uh, spending time on it without the pressure of having to generate income because I was I was still working full time. There's two things come up quite a lot in this podcast. One is the success takes longer than people think like so it's a 10 year game, not a two to three year game. And what it sounds like is by the time you actually officially started post MBA, your actual probable start date was maybe four to five years before you actually started. I mean ten years by experience, but maybe even just this the solving this particular problem was maybe four to five. Is that right? You know, when I learned the basics, right, to solve this, I would say, right, 2010 is really when I started getting my uh, my hands dirty. Uh, 2015 is when I, 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 yeah, I guess I felt I had enough experience that I could um, teach somebody somehow, right? I didn't know exactly what that looked like, but that there was there was value in my knowledge and people needed to know it. I found, I sound like the town gossip, but uh, no, it's actually in the business context that there was just, there was this information that, that I just knew people didn't know and, and they should know. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, we're going on, you know, by that we're going on 13 years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does, it does take a, a, a long time. And, and, you know, again, what success means, you know, it's always interesting what success means to different people because I've always said, you know, you know, for happiness, just having enough money to be happy and you know, do the things you want to do. Um, and, you know, I, I could have had that as a lawyer because they pay you too much money and you can at that point buy your happiness or you can, you know, go into a, when I went in house, you could spend your time managing people where you're not actually working. I mean, you're working, but you're working less uh, and you're getting paid good money. You know, for me, it was when I really started doing all of the things that I wanted to do on a daily basis and following them wherever they went, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, in terms of where we're at now, I would say it was a solid 10 years. But it's, it sounds like this, this definition of success is following where you're adding value, 
and following a life that makes you happy. Is, is, is that right? Would you define it as those two things? I, the, I think the description of it is creating value. I don't think I went into it thinking like I want to spend the next 10 years creating value. It just happened to be that I was pretty quickly able to connect a need with my experience and kind of the, the intersection of those things was the value that I was going to create. It's very, it's very interesting. So having, having now looked back at this, and just talked it back through. Is there anything that's that's jumped out for you today? You know, before we talked, I never, I've, I've never really thought about this kind of career progression trajectory. What actually motivated what? Um, it, it's you know, I, again, I've had the luxury of doing what felt right um, and the luxury of uh, a good education. And so, you know, I was, I've been able to, to really lean into things that were interesting without pressures of, you know, raising a family or, or, you know, having to, so, you know, I, I've just kind of wandered my way, um, and never really thought about a lot of these things as much as, and something really at all, uh, until kind of you and I have talked about this. Um, and really what, what drove it, right? Like what were the mm -hmm. underlying reasons and motivations for getting me from point A to point B, um, and, or C or D or wherever it's going. Uh, and, and it's funny because when, like I said before, you know, people think I have this master plan, right? Because we've created these, we rode, we have been riding a wave of a business model that has created a ton of value, raised billions and billions of dollars in venture funding, right? I mean, I didn't invent anything here. I just kind of rode the wave and was at the right place at the right time. Um, but, you know, I never really thought about, like, I never created or, or designed a plan to do this. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, you know, having these conversations is like making me reflect on, well, what was it, right? Because I could have easily gone, you know, a million different paths. Uh, it certainly got hard. Uh, there's various times where it was very difficult, where you second guess yourself, where you're sure you're doing, you know, taking dumb risks, and you stick with it, right? And so, the 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 thing that kind of got me through a lot of that, and what I still think think about, well, what I think about now that I didn't really think about then was like this this need that we're meeting and it's helpful to to look back at some of those pivotal moments uh, some of those junctures and just kind of think about well what what motivated you then and and then leveraging that I guess for the future mm, that was what came to mind when you were just saying that it's like I'm curious as to how that might impact you moving forward right so it's interesting because we've had the luxury of really not having any competitors, right? Um, uh, so the I say that not with arrogance, but you know you really can't screw it up when you have no competitors because we were kind of the only game in town, and we still are to some degree. There's a lot more. There are a lot more. There's a lot more attention being paid, obviously, to this industry following, you know, uh, venture funding. There's obviously there are a million marketplaces in every region and country. And so, um, 
they're bound to be competitors and and um, others in the space that we will compete with, whether they're direct competitors or not. Um, and and you know the thing that I I always think of, and, and every time someone has kind of come and gone, because there have been I would say blips, is you know if we continue to meet a need and we do uh, do it well right then we welcome all the competitors in the world because if and truly if they're going to do it better than us then great you know we'll go do something else but to me you know the i don't want to say my north star but you know i've not chased the dollars i've not chased any uh title i've not chased anything other than enjoying what i'm doing and 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 doing it well Jerry, that's been really, really interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing. I really enjoyed the conversation and, and it's been super reflective for me. As you heard today, coaching opens up a whole range of insights and areas to explore. If you have a potential moment to revisit on the podcast or just want to learn more about coaching, book in for a 30-minute chat with me at peer-effect.com.